0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. For the next three weeks, I'm going to focus on a topic that's near and dear to my heart, discipleship. Then we'll do a few other things, and then I'm going to preach the book of Jude before the end of the year. Then in early 2023, Lord willing, I'm going to do a series of hot topics for today's culture. You know, just some light stuff like homosexuality and transgender and, you know, stuff like that. Should Christians be involved in politics? You know, just some light Fluffy topics like that. Then I'm going to preach through the book of Ecclesiastes next year. So that's kind of what's coming. But for the next three weeks, today, Discipleship 101. Next week will be Discipleship 201. And then the following week, Discipleship 301 before Pastor Isaac comes. When I left Uganda in 2021 after having been there for 10 days, Pastor Isaac said to me, Pastor David, we are a mile long and an inch deep in Uganda. We need discipleship. And I thought we're about two miles long and a half inch deep. In America, we need discipleship. And uh, this topic is near and dear to my heart because ever since I got saved, I've had the privilege of being involved in discipleship. As soon as I got saved, my senior year in high school, Rod Miner took me under his wings with four other college students, discipled us for a year. I come to Georgia, I get involved in crew all four years. I was either in a discipleship group or leading a discipleship group. And then 13 years ago, and I wish I'd have done it a lot sooner. Thirteen years ago, I made a commitment to God, Lord willing, for the, every year for the rest of my life, I'm going to handpick about eight guys, disciple them for a year, and, and Lord willing, they will do the same with others so that we see multiplication happen. We feel as a leadership here at Living Hope that the Lord spoke a clear word to us that in 2022, this year, our focus was to be disciple, be one, make one. Because in 2023, we believe that the Lord has said it's going to be the year of the harvest. That there's going to be a lot of new believers coming to faith in Christ here at Living Hope and through our ministries. So in other words, this year, get the nursery ready because new babies are coming. When you anticipate a baby coming into your family, you get the nursery ready. So that when that baby's born, you're ready to care for it, nurture it, feed it so that it can grow up, right? In the same way, we believe the Lord has said, Living Hope, get the nursery ready. Because a lot of new babies, a lot of new believers are going to come to faith in Christ in 2023. And we need to be ready to care for them and help them grow and disciple them. Are you willing to disciple somebody? Literally, I mean, we may come to you and say, hey, three people just got saved this week. We need somebody that can help care for them. So you need to be ready. And so we're going to focus for the next three weeks on this, this topic of discipleship. So let's stand together as I read Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Very familiar passage to most of us. And I'm just going to preach it phrase by phrase. Then I'm going to look at how Jesus lived this out. Then we're going to hear a couple testimonies from people who are doing it in this church. And here it is. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, there's the Trinity, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God, we ask you to anoint your word now. Make us disciples who make disciples who make disciples for your glory. I pray today, everyone listening, that there would be salvation for any who are outside of your kingdom, that you would birth faith and repentance today, I pray healing for any who are hurting in any way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and I pray the building up of the body of Christ. I pray that any who are demonized would be delivered and that you would equip your body to serve you faithfully and that we would be at Living Hope a disciple-making church for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so we're going to go through this phrase by phrase. All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus said, has been given to me. Listen, we first of all see the authority of Jesus Christ. He has supreme authority in heaven and on earth. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He has the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Jesus came and he lived among us to show us tangibly what God is like. He taught truth like man has never heard before. He healed the sick. He casted out demons. He delivered people who were hurting. He forgave sinners. He loved all people. This is Jesus who says to you today, I have divine right over your life. Because of who he is and what he has done, he came, he shed his blood, he gave his life, he bore the wrath of God, he is our substitutionary atonement so we can be reconciled to a holy creator God, and because of all that he is and all that he has done, he has a divine right over our lives. And if we fail to submit to his authority, we are cheating ourselves. Because his will for you is good, acceptable, and perfect. How amazing that the creator of the universe, the the one who created you in your mother's womb, is the God who offers you a relationship with him. And he says, my will for you, it's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Why would you not want it? And yet we have an enemy of our soul called Satan, right? And he blinds people's minds, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so God offers you a meaningful existence, and it comes when we submit to his authority in our lives. And when we submit to his authority, we say, God, you said this. Even though the world says this, I'm going to go with you. God, you say this. The Supreme Court may say this. I'm going to go with you because you know better, and your will will rule for all of eternity. Man's ways will perish nations come and go kings and rulers die like we saw with the queen this week but jesus is eternal jesus will exist for all of eternity and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day that he is lord you take the most hard atheist who says god i hate you and i don't believe in you one day philippians 2 says that knee will also bow every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is lord And so we would do well for ourselves to submit to his authority in our lives. Beloved, he loves you. He created you. He knows you better than anyone else. He knows the beginning and the end and everything in between. And he offers you a relationship with him whereby if you submit to him, you can have a life that's full of meaning and purpose. Will it be easy? No. No, and he never promised it would. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And brothers and sisters from the portals of heaven, we will look back on our lives. And even though there will be difficulty, there will be stumbling, there will be falling, we will be so glad we held fast to his word, his truth, his authority in our lives. So everything we talk about today is really under the umbrella of the authority, the supremacy Of Jesus Christ and because of that he then says go that means that there must be effort and intentionality to do what he says there must be obedience to him this is called the Great Commission it's not called the great suggestion this is a command it's not a suggestion it's not up for debate it's not up for a vote Jesus says go in other words what I'm about to tell you is my strategy to reach the world and it is this go and make disciples what is a disciple a disciple is a follower a disciple is a learner a disciple is someone who comes under the tutelage and the leadership of another if you are a disciple of jesus you come under the authority of christ you've said jesus you are lord of my life jesus you call the shots Even if it goes against my feelings, even if it goes against culture, even if it goes against what is popular today, you have rulership in my life. I am your disciple. He says, go and make disciples, not just converts. Now, a convert begins the discipleship journey. And this is why I don't like asking people the question, are you a Christian? I like asking the question, are you a follower of Jesus? Now, following Jesus begins at a a point, that's when you're born again. That's when you realize that you're a sinner, that Christ is the only means by which you can be forgiven of that sin and reconciled to God. You come to a point where God grants you by his sovereignty, faith, and repentance. You repent of your sins. You turn. You believe on Christ for salvation. And the Bible says at that moment, you are born again. You get a new spirit. You get a new heart. That begins the journey of following Jesus. And so a disciple is a follower. disciple is a learner. A disciple is a person who is humble and they they follow their master. We follow Jesus. We follow him. We pursue him. We listen to him. We obey him. We stumble and fall, but we get back up. And praise God, he loves us along the entire journey. And praise God, he is patient with you and me. He understands that it's a process. It, It doesn't happen overnight. We are transformed from one degree of glory to another. Paul said in Galatians, until Christ is formed in you. And so it's a long journey, and sometimes it's a lot slower than we wish. But it's a wonderful journey of following Christ. And so he says to go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, this is for everyone. This is his will for every person. Now, he will not force himself on anyone. We have to make the decision to become a follower of Jesus. So my question to you today is, are you a follower of Jesus? Well, pastor, I prayed a prayer when I was eight years old to receive Christ in my life. I got my ticket to heaven, and I'm just going to kind of, that's, that's good enough, right? No. If that's your attitude, you're probably not saved. Because a person who truly receives Christ becomes a follower of Jesus. And so it's not just about praying a prayer to invite Christ in your life, although that could be the beginning of that process. But it's about being a devoted follower it's about denying yourself take up your cross daily and follow him and let me tell you when you do that when you surrender to his lordship it's not just him as savior but as lord that's when his power usually begins to kick in at an accelerated level when you surrender and it's hard and it goes against your flesh but you surrender you yield you say god you take over that's when the holy spirit who comes in you the moment you're saved, begins to be activated at a new level And I pray that for each of you today. So it's for all nations. It's for everyone. Now part of the journey, part of the following involves baptism. Someone unwilling to be baptized may not be a disciple. Because he says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The first step of obedience and following Jesus is to be baptized. That's why we're so excited to see these people obey God in baptism. And then he says that teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so we see in this that it's a long journey. It's a process of maturity. We grow from milk to meat. We go from being a spiritual child to a spiritual adolescent to a spiritual adult. And there's ups and downs and there's failings and there's successes. And all along the journey, as we hold fast to Jesus and stay connected with others... There's that process of growth and maturity. That's discipleship. Discipleship. It's disciples in a ship together. Growing together. Seeking God. Getting to know Him. Obeying all that He's commanded. That that means that that we go deep. We're not shallow Christians. One of the things I have really enjoyed with our staff this year, we've been going through Bible doctrine. It's a staff, chapter a week out of Bible Doctrine with Wayne Grudem. And at first I thought, you know, we're going to do this, and, and they're, going to, they're going to kind of find theology kind of boring. Or, and I don't know, I just didn't have high expectations, and I've been amazed. Our discussions every week in staff meeting is it not true, Jeff? Man, they're lively. It's like they're wanting to go deep. Why? Because they love Jesus. When you love God, you love theology, because theology is the study of God. You want to know him better. You want to go deep. You don't want to be shallow. And let me tell you something, beloved. You're going to need to be deep in the culture we live in where truth is challenged on a regular basis. We can't even figure out what a woman is in this country. Give me a break. We have a Supreme Court justice who can't even define a woman. So we need to know, you know, the Bible says he created them male and female. How basic. But you and I need to be equipped with truth from God's word Because the Bible says that in the end times, people will accumulate for themselves. Teachers in accordance with their own desires to hear what their itching ears want to hear. Beloved, we need to go deep. We need to be Christians who know the word and know the God of the word. And who love people and can defend truth with compassion. Oh, I pray that we be a people of truth and compassion. To stand upon the truth of God's word, to not yield on truth, to not be swayed by culture or popular opinion or what feels good. We go back to God's word. Can you defend the deity of Christ? Can you defend the Trinity? Can you explain why Jesus is the only way to God? Can you explain sexual purity based on Scripture? Can you explain from Scripture what God says a marriage is to be and not be? Amen? So, beloved, we need to be people who go deep and who grow. And that's what Jesus meant here when he said, teaching them to observe all. Not just a part. Not just the part that you're comfortable with. But all that I've commanded you. Now, part of that all that I've commanded is discipling others. Because we go back to the earlier part of the passage. Part of all that he's commanded is to disciple others. So, in t- unless discipleship is reproductive, it's not complete. So it's you pouring your life into one or more people, helping them grow to the point where they do the same with others. And let me remind everybody in the room who has children still in the home, your most important disciples are those in your home, your children. Disciple them, help them grow, take them under your wing and nurture them. You have to be intentional for this to happen. It doesn't happen by osmosis happens is we intentionally help others grow, helping them to obey all that he's commanded, and that involves discipling others. And then this final phrase, and this one I find just so encouraging. It says, and lo, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. As you follow Jesus, as you disciple others, as you go about this journey in life that is hard, and that we are pulled and swayed and prone to wonder Lord I feel it and and all the challenges that come with following Jesus especially in the age in which we live today let us be encouraged let us be comforted today with this great promise he's with us always hallelujah he'll never leave you nor forsake you He's in. he's with you in the valley he's with you on the mountaintop he's with you when you're tempted he's with you when you succeed he's with you when you fall he will never leave you nor forsake you listen, when you get saved, he puts in your spirit, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 and 13 says, you're sealed with the spirit until the day of redemption. That means when you get your new body all the way, he seals you. That seal cannot be broken. That's a seal that can't be broken. He comes and he indwells you. He's with you always. He guides you He directs you. He gives you wisdom when you need it. He gives you direction when you need it. He gives you power when you're weak. He leads you. He guides you. He instructs you. He illuminates the word. Everything we need, we have in Christ and in his word and through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Oh, what a great promise. You may not feel his presence always. We walk by faith, not by sight. There are many times in our lives When we struggle and we wrestle, we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Circumstances scream, God doesn't love you, and Satan lies, God doesn't love you. But we stand upon his word. We keep ourselves in fellowship with other believers. We stand on the truth and we say, God, you said in your word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You said in your word, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm standing on that. I'm believing that. I'm going to worship you for who you are. And when you do that, he blesses. He blesses you and he sustains you and he keeps you. So when Jesus issued this great commission to his followers, they they understood understood what he meant. Because they had been with him for three years. For three years, Jesus had invested in these 12 men. This is important to note. That of all the things that Jesus could have done with his time on earth, I mean, think about this. He existed from eternity past. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus has existed from all of eternity past. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit created the universe. Let us make man in our image, plural. Then he becomes a man when Mary is pregnant with Jesus. He's got 33 small years on earth, only three of which was really his public ministry. We don't know a lot about what he did for the first 30 years. We have this glimpse of time of three years. He's got three years. What's he going to do with those three years? Well, we know that the bullseye of his mission was what? This. This was what he was aiming for. This was why he came. This was the bullseye of Christ's mission. To live, die, shed his blood, rise again, pay the sin price, redeem us from sin and wickedness and Satan, and save our souls for the glory of God. Amen? So this is the bullseye of Christianity. This is the bullseye of Jesus' mission to live, die, shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. Second only to that, his most fruitful investment of his life was discipling those 12 men. Beloved, that shows priority. Yes, he had the massive evangelistic campaigns and the Sermon on the Mount and he healed, and he, he casted out demons, and all of that had its own purpose. But, but the most fruitful investment of his three years, second only to the cross, was his discipling those 12 men. That ought to tell us something. We're to be like Christ, right? We're to be like Jesus. That's what a Christian is, a little Christ. Discipleship had the highest priority to Christ, second only to the cross. Therefore, I ask us all, how important is this? How important should it be to us? Are you discipling anybody? Are you willing to be a discipler? By the way, one of the most practical ways I have found to live out what I'm preaching today, because I know many of us it's uncomfortable to say, I'm starting a discipleship group, I'd like to disciple you. That just, even, I'm I'm even uncomfortable with that, with kind of using that language, because it kind of, puts you above that person in a way that just kind of, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. Here's the easy way to do this. Hey, I'm starting a group with three people so we can all help each other grow together in Christ. Would you like to be a part? Isn't that a lot easier? Doesn't that just feel like, well, I, I, can, I can swallow that. I'm starting a little group where we each help each other grow. Would you like to be in it? Now you're gonna be discipling them because guess what? You took the initiative to do that. You're gonna select what you go through, you're gonna be the leader of the group. But but that just feels a lot easier, doesn't it? Kind of like we're all on equal playing field. And we are in one sense. And so let me just look at some, just pull a few things out from what Jesus did with the 12. First of all, he was intentional. He was intentional to do this. This was on his priority list. By the way, he spent all night praying before he selected his 12. Number two, he was selective. He selected 12 men to ensure quality. This is the brilliance of his strategy. Now, I'm not against one-on-one discipleship, but he was selective in choosing 12 because I think, number three, it should happen best in community, a group, because then each person in that group learns from one another and not just you. And we're called to be the body of Christ. I love the fact that he just took ordinary men forth. He just took ordinary men. He didn't take the most brilliant. He didn't take the most educated. Matter of fact, in Acts 4.13, it says the disciples were uneducated. But they recognized them as having been with Jesus. That was what marked these men. Not their education and their degrees and their brilliance intellectually, but they had been with Jesus. (laughs) Their lives were changed because they had just been with him. And And I love that because guess what? we all qualify. (laughs) We all qualify to be a disciple, and we all qualify to be a disciple maker. I personally believe if you've been a Christian for just, if you've been growing in Christ for six months or more, you're qualified to disciple somebody. I really do. And guess who's going to grow the most when you disciple somebody? Stephanie, you've led a few groups here. Who grows the most? The disciple maker. maker. (laughs) And I know the people in your group, and they've grown a lot, but she grows even more. You say, but I don't have all the answers. Neither do I. What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? That's what the body of Christ is for. You come to us, we'll help you. What if I stumble and fall? Great way to model getting back up to your group. Sometimes I've seen the greatest fruit from when I blew it. Now, I'm not giving you permission to go blow it. I'm not saying go sin so you can bring a good example of getting back up. I'm just saying if you blow it, and you will, you come to that group that week and you go, hey, guys, I just got to admit I really blew it this week. Man, I struggle with lust. I looked at porn. And I want you guys to hold me accountable. And I'm repenting and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to just stir up his power in me again. And get, they're gonna all go. Whoo! breath of fresh air. That person doesn't have it all together. They're not perfect. Ordinary men. Oh, and by the way, men should only disciple other men. Now, in our home groups, we have men and women, and that's for a purpose. But if you're the kind of discipleship I'm talking about today, where it's either where it's like you and maybe two or three other people, and you're helping them grow, that should only be men discipling men and women discipling women. I don't women. I don't think I have to explain that, do I? And it was it was. I mean, Jesus purposely chose men. Now there were women who followed, and they were in that you know that broader group of followers of Jesus, but his twelve were male, the male species of the human race. Okay. Just to make sure we get that clear. Everybody understand? Do I need to go into any more details? I hope not. Rob, do I need to explain this anymore? Okay, thank you. They were male species of the human, you know, Jesus was too. Jesus was a man. So he discipled men. He did this over a three-year period, which shows that it's a process. Three years. And if you study how Jesus discipled his 12, it was very systematic, what he did in year one, what he did in year two, what he did in year three. As his departure became closer, he talked a lot more about the Holy Spirit. I mean, he talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit the first two years, but man, you get into those last few months of his life when he's about to die and be raised and leave, man, he just pounded the Holy Spirit. Hey, guys, want you to know it's going to be better for you that I leave. They're probably going, what? No way. I mean, we don't want you leaving. no, please don't leave us. What are we going to do? Well, it's going to be better because I can only be one place at one time. But when I leave, the Holy Spirit can be in all of you. Whoa. So wait in Jerusalem before, and make sure you're filled with the Spirit before you start doing this thing called the Great Commission. And so he starts teaching more. So he was systematic. He was progressive. He even said at one point, I have a lot more things I need to say to you. You're not ready yet. And he waited. And at some point in the future, they were ready. So this points to discipleship is a, a long process. And this is why our whole material here, our transformation of discipleship, we have a Module 1, a Module 2, and a Module 3. The Module 1 is for spiritual children. It's all based on 1 John 2. It's what I'm writing my new book on. Module 2 is for the spiritual adolescent, teenager. And module three is for the spiritual adult, how to be a disciple maker. And so that child, that's the milk stage. We don't expect a child to walk. We don't expect a child to eat a T-bone steak. We expect a child to drink milk, be in its mom and dad's arms, just enjoy being a child in the same way as a believer, just enjoy being a child of God. Understand the Father heart of God, understanding the love of God, understanding your identity in Christ, understanding the indwelling Holy Spirit, just those basic truths that you can just rest in. See, one of the biggest mistakes we make in discipleship today is we get a brand new believer and we start, start talking about things like spiritual warfare or, or these deeper things. They're not ready for that yet. Just let them enjoy being a child of God. All he says to the child in 1 John 2, you know the Father and your sins are forgiven. Just rest in that. Enjoy that. and Then we'll get to the other stuff at the middle stage because that's where he says strong, abide in the word, overcome the evil one. So there's a place for that, but you do it progressively, and Jesus did that. Three-year process. And then finally, real transformation occurred after he died, rose again, and ascended because that's when the Holy Spirit came and his presence was with them. Always. Oh, the day of Pentecost. The power given to them to live. The power to follow. The power to witness. The power to overcome obstacles and challenges. The power to change their desires. The power to endure even persecution. And beloved, that same power that came into those disciples on the day of Pentecost, it's the same power today. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the same Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that transformed the lives of these early followers is the same Holy Spirit who's available to you and me. Oh, beloved, that we might be filled and empowered with the precious Holy Spirit. So we've seen this great commission today. We've looked at the example of Jesus and how he did it with his 12. And by the way, one more thing about what he did with the 12. I love this. School was always in session. (laughs) He he had formal times when he was sitting them down and teaching and then informal times because discipleship was always in session. I loved how he just would teach by way of life. They'd be walking along the road and they'd see a grain field and he'd make a lesson from that. And so some of the best discipleship, and I love this about what you do, Dustin, and the noble and Man, just bring guys along. Just bring them along. Hey, I'm going to do this. Come along with me. That can be some of the best discipleship ever. So how are we doing here at Living Hope? What, what are some of the ways that we're trying to do this here? Well, what we do right here every Sunday is part of it. This is a discipleship session right here every week as we come together. Our home groups is an attempt to take what we do here and take it down deeper, discuss it, pray for one another, eat with one another, support one another. Those groups of anywhere from 8 to about 15 people ideal size much like jesus then our transformational discipleship groups that we have the td1 td2 td3 our wednesday night classes where we zero in on topics like holy spirit with gail tillman and hearing god with lucius and 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 cr on friday nights by the way averages over 80 to 90 people every friday night here where people can deal with hurts habits and hang-ups amen This is a safe place for people to come on Friday with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Who doesn't have a hurt, habit, or (laughs) hang-up? All of us do. And then within that, they have their step studies where they get more zeroed in. We have counseling for those who hit a roadblock. Ironman groups for men. Nobleman groups we are learning about biblical manhood. Women of Courage group, which is happening right now. Other women's group. The college mentor ministry is exactly what we're talking about today, where somebody older can help mentor that that younger person. And we want all of our children and youth ministries to be about discipleship and depth and growth and progression. We are serious, beloved, about being a disciple-making church. What will your role be? Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus? If there's any doubt about that today, get it settled. Surrender afresh to the Lord that you be a disciple and then a disciple maker. Are you willing for God to use you to help others grow? Are you willing for God to use you to help others grow? Are you willing today to say, God, put one or two or three people on my heart? And maybe just begin to pour into them however God shows you. The Great Commission is for all believers. All right, I want you to hear from just a few people that are seeking to do this in different ways, different shapes and sizes. That's what I love about this. There's not a one-size-fits-all. So those that are going to share, come on up.
1: Uh, Hello, my name is Lucius Malcolm, and I am a disciple of Christ. When I was a younger father, say 30 years ago, and my daughter was already grown with children, my uh, oldest son had graduated college, and my youngest son had started college, I realized how terribly I had failed in discipling my own children. And I actually attempted to disciple my youngest son and just utterly failed. It was, <laughs> it was a disaster. Well, a year or so after that, I ended up discipling a young man in that current church. And uh, as we went through the book of John, um, he got saved mm. and ended up getting baptized. And so I realized, hey, Lord, maybe I'm not so bad at this after all. Maybe I can do this. And so I discipled two other young men from the same church. One of them went on to disciple young men himself. One of them got married and moved away, and I've kind of lost contact with him. Uh, But I realized, well, maybe God can use me to do this. And so currently, um, I help start the Ironman groups along with Dr. Dewey Lee, who's in here somewhere. Uh, We started the Ironman groups, and uh, currently I've handed that off to uh, Bill Hill and... um, our Peabody, so they're taking care of that Iron Man group. And um, full circle, God has allowed me now to disciple my 20-year-old granddaughter. Mm, so awesome. God is good. Anybody can disciple. Don't have to be special. Just get out and do it.
0: Amen. Good word, brother. Love it.
2: Hey so um, my name is Michael Stoddard and I had to write notes down because I'm not as good as Lucius at remembering things. Um, so I'm in a ministry called noblemen um, and what we were trying to produce is spiritual generations of laborers for Christ um, through noblemen and just doing life-to-life discipleship together um, And what does that look like? I mean we, we just we spend time together talk about things of going on in our lives, talk about just big topics in our lives and We pray together, um, and um, we encourage one another. So I thought the best way of trying to explain what we really do in Nobleman is just sharing a story of how we are creating spiritual generations of laborers for Jesus Christ. So um, a year and a half ago, I participated um, in a Nobleman group, and little did I know this was going to be the most impactful thing in my life, and it was going to change my entire walk with the Lord. So through the course um, the, the Lord deeply convicted me about um, multiple things, but two big things of just discipleship, um, lack thereof, um, and taking responsibility for the souls that God puts in my path. So um, a- after I go through noblemen, I was like, okay, I want to make an impact for the kingdom. Um, so Dustin Butler encouraged me. He said, hey, I want you to lead a Nobleman group with me um, and invite other guys you know go, to go through noblemen. Um, So I did, and I thought of a friend of mine, Clayton, and um, Clayton, he goes through it. His life radically changes, Mm. and, um, you know, he he starts going back to church regularly and all this stuff. I mean, he's so hungry for the Lord, Um, so I encouraged him. I was like, hey, will you lead a group with me? Um, And he was so excited about it, and he said, yes, I'd love to. Um, So I told him, I was like, hey, invite guys you know. So he invited a friend of his, Reed, that he hardly knew. It was from his work, and he invited Reed. And as Reed goes through noblemen, his life changes so much that he gets saved mm-hmm. um, and he gets baptized during noblemen. So what we're seeing is just this line of spiritual generations happening that we're becoming laborers for Jesus Christ. Um, and that's what we're wanting to do. Um, so what we have seen is just life or discipleship is just doing life together um, and, and pursuing the Lord together. Um, so, and ultimately, it's made me grow <laughs> more than I could have ever imagined. Um, and I promise you, if, if I can do this, <laughs> then anyone can do this. Um,
0: so, thank you. Amen. So, in, th- in a year and a half, you've seen three generations. Yes. Wow. have seen
2: three generations. Um, well, yeah. I think Dustin, right? Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So thank you, Dustin, brother. me, yeah. Clayton, Reed. Yeah. So, actually, four. So four. Yeah. 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 Man. Guys, this is so practical, it's so clear, and yet, unfortunately, it is so disobeyed today. Why does this have to be so radical-sounding? It's because we have failed to do this as the church. This is God's way of reaching the world. Three makes nine, makes 27, makes 81. Multiplication for his glory. And this is the way that God has designed for us to be held accountable in our own growth as we help others. And then as we come around others and help them grow, it's going to enhance our growth. They are then going to grow. They are then going to be able to to reach others and help them grow. And we believe that this is essential for what God is going to do in 2023. That God is going to bring many new believers in this church, through this church, through outreach, through other means, we are going to have a lot of new babies born into the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit and they are going to need to be discipled. Get ready for the journey. Get ready to be a part. Get ready to see God move. Get ready to be used by the Holy Spirit to help others. And so I ask just two questions today as we close. Number one, are you a disciple? I didn't ask if you prayed a prayer to ask Christ into your heart. Are you a disciple? Today may be the day that you decide, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I am going to surrender to the lordship of Christ. I'm going to yield my life to him at a level I never have before. And I'm telling you, listen, I know the, the, the struggle for some of you to do that. You struggle because there's this battle within where you say, I don't know if I want to make that serious of a commitment because I may not live up to it. That's the enemy. You won't be able to live up to it. And until you realize that, you won't begin to see him activated in your life as, as strong as he wants to be because it's when we surrender and we say, I can't do this, but you can in me. There's the key. I can't, but you can. Let's do it together. I can't, but you can. Let's do it together. When you surrender, that's when the Holy Spirit's power and presence is activated, and you begin to tap into what's called the exchange life. It's not you living for Christ. It's Christ living his life in you and through you. And that can only happen as you surrender. Are you a disciple? Are you willing today to commit to being a disciple of Jesus? And then secondly, who might you invest in? Are you willing to just say, God, lay some names on my heart, lay some people on my heart that I am to invest in? Let, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You are simply saying, God, I'm available. I'm, I'm, I'm willing lay people on my heart that you would have me invest in. Worship team, if you'd come up, please, let's go to prayer. Oh, Lord, we thank and praise you for this time. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do whatever work is still needed today in this place. Prayer team, if you would take your places, please, and be available to pray with anybody who needs prayer. I'm going to invite you today that if you today need to say to God, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow Jesus with all my life. I'm surrendering afresh to to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to invite you just to come down and kneel at these steps. as just a sign of surrender to the Lord. You're willing to say, I want to be a disciple. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to yield my life to Him. I want to activate the exchange life. I just invite you right now to come. Let's all stand. I just invite you to come and just kneel here at the front. Just surrender as a disciple of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now. to Move our hearts toward you. Lord, we yield to you. Oh God, take control. Lord, we surrender. loves you and has all authority in heaven and on earth. Invites you. Invites you to be his follower. Invites you to be about the journey, the the great journey of discipleship. Ask the Lord to lay upon your heart anybody that he would have you maybe invest in. from one of our prayer team. You come now.